This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. We're in close season still. The rules are out the window. It's the middle of the night and the reason it's the middle of the night is the only time I've been able to track down bloody Mikey Penty Smith. Mikey, where, h- hello. What's, what's, what's Russian for hello? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? What a tourist. What, what an opening game. Mikey, hello. Where the hell are you? Uh, I I may not have mentioned it in the previous podcast, but I'm at the World Cup. I'm in Moscow. Um, and I've been here for the last eight days. Uh, the, it's an absolutely bonkers, bonkers place. And I, I went to Russia last year. I went to Sochi and St. Petersburg. But it is Moscow is just a... It's like a different country. It's just mental. As soon as you get off the plane, you get in a taxi and you're sat in traffic for an hour and a half. And you think, how on earth do these taxi drivers make money? And it's because as soon as there isn't traffic, they drive like maniacs. 140 <laughs> miles an hour. It is crazy. Oh, my God. Um, and, and while they're driving that fast, they're on Tinder. Oh, my God. The drivers. It's just, yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant, though. There was loads of stuff um, before the tournament. Oh, don't travel, don't go there. And there hasn't been, when I've watched on TV, there hasn't been that many England fans. Um, it's, sensibly, I'm, I'm not being stupid, do you actually feel safe? Is, is any of that come to pass? I felt apprehensive before going to Russia last year and I was shocked by how safe I felt. This time around, I thought it might be slightly different, but no, it's even more safe. There's just people from every part of the world. I mean, there's mostly South Americans, South Americans just wandering around. Seen, yeah. there's, there's just loads of them, and they're just having an absolute party. They they seem completely oblivious to the negative things that we hear about Russia. They they haven't been exposed to it at all, and that's why. There's tens of thousands of South Americans in every match and there's barely any English. I was at the England-Columbia game the other night and there was a pocket of England fans and it was deafening. And, it, and that, for me, what made it, that's what makes the performance even more remarkable, that they were playing in a really hostile environment. They might as well have been playing in Medellin. 
we'll come on to that. Um, let's do some let's do some Ipswich Town first, um, Mikey. So I'm sure your Omnisport people have been cracking the whip, but I'm sure you've been following on on Twitter what's been going on. Big big story earlier in the week. Adam Webster leaves Ipswich. Bit of a surprise. I didn't I didn't see that one coming. Um, biggest transfer deal for the club in quite some time. It started off looking like it was going to be five million, and it turns out that it's a three point five. We don't. I don't know yet whether it's that's paid up front or what have you. But um, the incredibly talkative Marcus Evans says, "I thought long and hard before agreeing to the move, and we haven't let Adam go without receiving a significant fee that will be reinvested into the playing squad." So that would imply that that initial three point five has been paid up front. Uh, they've just sold Aidan Flint and Bobby Reed for seventeen million combined. It's gonna go up to eight million with all the add ons and whatnot. Um what 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 are your what are your thoughts on a kind of surprising um that the guy we thought um possibly wasn't gonna be the blue chip first one out the door. Um go ahead. Well overall I'm not completely gutted by the departure of Adam Webster, although he is clearly a very talented player and a player that we enjoy watching when it is at his best. But he is injured a lot and we don't have many saleable assets apart from him. You'd look at Bielkowski and Waghorn and I think all Ipswich fans would be in agreement that if we had to sell one of them, it would be Webster. And it's a, it's a good move for at least... Well, it will be a good move for two out of the three parties. It's a good move for Webster because he's moving. I'm sure he's going to be earning more money at Bristol yeah, that City. Yeah, should be a nice contract there, shouldn't it? It's a, it's a fresh start for him. He's still young. He hasn't been at Ipswich particularly long time. It may work out really well for Bristol City. He might replace Flint and be a be the player that we thought he could be, or. He, he might just flatter to deceive and get injured a lot like he has at Ipswich. And I think that 3.5 million is, isn't, it's a pretty good, pretty good fee for us. I think that we can probably buy two or three decent players for that price. And yeah, I'd, you can, you can complain about us not selling Webster, but then I feel like it's the same people that were complaining when we, well, Captain Hindsight about a year year later after McGoldrick could have gone to Leicester for eight million. There's an injury prone player. The money came in. Every, most people were pleased that we didn't take the money, but looking back, maybe we'd have been in a better situation if we had. And I think that we will be in a better situation for taking the Webster money personally. Yeah. Um, I mean, we heard immediately, even from Hurst already, has said it. Oh, look. People people have to go out before they go in. So we knew some someone had to go. And I think given the sense of the freshen up of everything, that makes it less um, less of an issue. Obviously, in an ideal world, you'd be like Derby County and just keep him and sign some more players and sign some more players. But um, I think that's coming home to roost there. And a, a, a few of these teams... Um, you know, slightly above Ipswich, uh, you know, going to be, you know, we've talked about gaps between us and certain clubs, but gaps going to be a bit closer there. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones that you can you can accept, can't you? I remember when Tarico was sold, I was absolutely gutted, you know, because it wasn't huge amount of money and it kind of. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still not over that one. But we've we've won we've won like this. Even Murphy as well. It was like, well, you know, they they kind of held on to him longer than you longer than you you thought. So this is an interesting one, and um, yeah, we'll talk about. Waghorn particularly in a bit but <clears throat> when you've got your three-time player of the year as the goalie and you've just managed to establish this new this new um center forward kind of who's become more and more important um since he signed then I kind of agree with you that um if it's the lesser of however many evils um then it'll be fine um how do you think he'll he'll get on? Because I remember thinking that Flint and Baker are quite similar, but um, Flint's one of those inglorious bastard type players, and he's obviously a complete prick, but he's very good. You know, he's very alpha male and aggressive and stuff on the pitch, and um, Webster's just not. But do you think that might actually make a better partnership with Baker anyway, if he can be the ball player and Baker be the be the big guy? Yeah, potentially. And I, I was saying this a few weeks ago that I, I didn't think that we had a great partner for Adam Webster because Luke Chambers is very much a defensive defender, but he isn't the dominant centre-back. He doesn't win all of your headers against the big centre-fours that you come come across. And yeah, maybe Webster will be even better playing alongside a centre-back like Baker. But yeah, I, I, I'd like to see him do well. And it's, it is a good move for him. And we're getting good money for him. And I think part part of the reason why Ipswich fans don't like it is because he's gone to another championship club. If he'd have gone to a Premier League club for that money, I think most people would have been okay with it. But I think because it's a championship club, it, it just doesn't sit as well, does it? But do you get the feeling that in the last couple of years, this ridiculous money, that we've we've not been in that, league you know even like Preston got nine million for Hugill and I feel that the only way to get into that league is to actually sell someone for for a load of money and then try and reinvest and get a, it's crazy that Reed and uh, 17 million now for and obviously we talked to Somber Longer and all the Middlesbrough guys and all the the Villa guys and you kind of think when's this money gonna going to drip into Ipswich and hopefully that's the that's the start of the start of the link and you know yeah. well, well maybe we would have got more for Webster if he wasn't so injury prone and that's that's kind of that's that's the the thing with Webster there's no guarantees that that's a great signing for Bristol City even though we know he's a good player 3.5 yeah. million might end up not being a good deal for them because if he if he does suffer the injury problems then it's still it's still a big chunk of money isn't it well, and I'm quite sure that it'll be 50 appearances or something will trigger a payment to us, and promotional for them will trigger a payment to us. So I guess they've I guess they've covered if you if you go down the injury prone um, route. Um, speaking of Chambers and a and a partner, um, Trevor Chalabar um, has come in the first Paul Hurst signing. 19-year-old centre-half. Hurst says, who can also play in midfield. Um, I don't know if he's just trying to throw us off the, the scent there, but speaking to what you just said about 
Chambers. I mean, what I will say is we'll, we'll talk to we'll talk to Joe Fairs at some point um, on this and the other um, youth team type thing. Is nineteen too young? Although, what, what do you what do you think of the sign? And is that the partner for Chambers? I'm not sure. It, it's it's always difficult when they come in and they're that young because you you just don't quite know how they're going to fit. We had Elliot Grant a few years ago and he seemed like a a good fit, but it just didn't. Was it was it Elliot Grant? Am I getting the name right? Uh, From Edison. Uh, I think that was his. I think it was Elliot Grant. Yeah, and he yeah. and he was one that seemed like a a good player to come in. It didn't quite work out. I've seen it. But then we've had plenty, Ryan Fraser, where it has worked. Um, Charlebur, is, that's how it should be pronounced, because that is Suffolk, isn't it? Charlebur. Sounds like you're saying Shia LaBeouf. No, Charlebur. I think that, that that's a good name for Ipswich fans. <laughs> he, he was actually training with the England squad um, just before they flew out to Russia. So he's clearly in the, the England setup, and they feel like he's ready enough to mix with those types of players and they see him as somebody that is a future England international. He's 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 massive. Um, he's pretty quick and apparently he's really, really good on the ball. Uh, he hasn't really filled out yet. So time will tell whether he will be a permanent partner for Chambers. He might be somebody that comes in, makes a couple of mistakes and then they take him out of the firing line and then he's just the backup option. But... I imagine he's a better defender than Dominic Iorfa, who we had last season. Um, and he's definitely got a higher ceiling. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited by that. But I would like another championship defender. Maybe maybe a player from League One um, rather than a an old Premier League player like we used to sign in the Paul Jewell era. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of people are enjoying that type of... Um... That type of recruitment. I mean, what I will say is Carter Vickers came on loan. Um, and this is an uh, idea of the quality of our centre-backs. And was in and then played every minute for a few months until he gave the penalty away at, um, at Birmingham. So maybe maybe he does come maybe he does come straight in. But I agree, I agree with you. I mean, I would much rather... You talk about like a Stephen Gleeson type signing where you're just bolstering the squad with someone who you can rely on possibly for 20 minutes in a game who's not going to do anything dumb I'd rather um I mean I in the playoff final the the big link I don't know if this is just two and two together and lazy journalism but as um I can't say his name Inshallah the absolute unit of a centre half for there I think people would like you say would rather see him than than someone else on loan but pretty yeah, exciting I think one. I think Charleville would be a lot of fun yeah. Um, I can't imagine he'll play more than about 28, 30 games because he is so young. It'll be like an eight. Um, if I was going to make a prediction, I'd say it would be a little bit like the Ainsley Maitland Niles loan, where there was mistakes, there was a little bit of immaturity at times, but there was some excitement and, and he's gone on to be a good player. Mm, very much so. Um, also coming in, Jordan Roberts, former Crawley winger, whatever that means nowadays. Um, Robert signs on a free 24. Looks like he's a dribbler and a shooter with the left foot. Um, upside if he can rise to championship level. And again, um, this approach of people coming in from 
from underneath and um, trying to prove themselves. And you know anything about Jordan Roberts? Uh, no, I, I can't say I do. Um, but yeah, you, you just go off what you read about players. And yeah, he does sound like an exciting winger, but it, it may work, it may not, but we haven't spent, have we spent money on him? No, we it's spent, free. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see because we were, we were so short of wingers last season. Danny Rowe being out on loan was frustrating at times because when he did come on, he did offer us genuine width and there's more than one way to change a game. Um, so yeah, maybe he maybe he'll come off the bench, Roberts, and be that sort of option. Or yeah, who knows? Hurst might have seen something in him that makes him believe that he can be a, a good championship winger. We'll see. Um, you were quite vocal last time we had you on about the lack of sports science therein um, not happening at all ever at Ipswich apparently. <laughs> um, so Hurst has also bought um, Chris Skitt. Um, 32-year-old physio in from um, Shrewsbury. Does this kind of keep keep you down that down that path of well, look, we we might not be the you know the best in the league in this in this regard, but at least they're they're doing something now, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it was always baffling that we never had people in these positions because they they don't earn a lot of money. They earn such a small wage it probably about three weeks salary for a championship footballer why why not bring them in if they can make the slightest bit of difference seems like we're doing that now and and somebody from shrewsbury so it's somebody that paul hurst knows and trusts yeah (laughs) obviously i i don't know who he is but paul hurst does so yeah let's let's back it let's let's See if he can make a difference. Um, Time will tell. Will, will Adeyemi be fit at the start of the season? Will he be fit at the end of August? If he is, then maybe we will think, well, we'll look back at last season and think, well, what were they doing wrong? I got very aroused today. I saw a picture of Emma Hughes running. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, I saw that. Forward. Yeah, that made me that made me excited. He, he, he looked... I mean, all these footballers have got about 0% body fat, so they... But he looked... Very fit and very healthy, so um, bodes well, doesn't it? Um, now, Joe Fairs will be a bit of an expert on this one, so we will get him at the end of the week as well. Um, ben Knight, uh, Ipswich Town, 16-year-old. Um, this is not a um, tribunal jobby. This is a, well, he's probably going to get pilfered anyway, so we'll, we'll settle and we'll give you a fee. So Ben Knight... Um, I know it's so easy to hype up and Joe will give us a bit bit more, but scored tons and tons of goals. Little guy, dribbler. I'm not going to say the M word because I think it's ridiculous, but um, he goes to Manchester City for, for a million pounds. Um, you mentioned when we were talking about Webster, well, oh, that benefits three of the parties. Whatever. I did a poll on this about night going um, and who does it? actually actually benefit um what's your thoughts on this is is the money right will he will he be um we just seen jacob davenport sign for blackburn for half a million in four years time is he going to sign for rotherham for 400 grand or or something what's 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 your take on this one the thing is from the from ipswich's 
perspective. You you just don't know. There's no guarantees that he's he is going to be the next big thing, and we will be able to sell him in three or four years' time for ten million. Manchester City have come in for him, and there's the opportunity for him to go there and learn from some of the best football coaches in the world, and also get enough money for his parents to not have to worry about travelling around, driving him everywhere all the time. Why wouldn't he go there? Answer me that. Oh, there's a chance that he might be able to play for Ipswich next season. So what? Will will that actually benefit him massively, playing two games for Ipswich first team when he could be, rather than playing for Manchester City under-18s or whatever? I don't think it would. I I read a tweet the other day from Jack Ainsley, who's... He's a friend of a friend. He's just signed for Felix Stern Walton, and he waded in on on this topic because he was highly thought of at Ipswich as a teenager. He was playing for the England youth teams, and he basically said that big Premier League teams were coming in for him. But he decided to stay at Ipswich because he thought that was the best chance that he had of playing for a first team. But in that time, his skills didn't develop because the coaching wasn't wasn't up to the standards or he didn't suit it or the managers were changing. Roy Keane was there and Paul Jewell was there. And he got rushed into senior football, got pigeonholed into a position he probably shouldn't have been playing in. And now, I mean, good luck to him. Felix Sermolton are a good side, but with all due respect, he's playing for Felix Sermolton when he was playing for England under-16s only 10 years ago. So, yeah, it's... I just don't understand people that can criticise Ben Knight and his family for that move. It may not work out for him, but at least they'll be set. I don't think, um, just to play devil's advocate with you, I don't think people would be criticising Ben Knight per se, because I think most of us would would go. I think people are kind of just annoyed at the world with it, that you, that you, develop, you develop this player and you basically, you know, what what can you do? The big the big guns come and okay there is well, a well in an, in a, in an ideal world the majority of the the teams would be made up of local players and it would come down to the coaching in that local area and the schools and things like that but it's 2018 it's all Messi versus CR7 football has completely changed and. Yeah, it would be nice if you could keep hold of all of your best players, but money, football's all about money now, and yeah, that's just the way it is. be interesting to see. I hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle there amongst all the pros. I mean, I guess, um, you know... These... I'd be, per- personally, sorry to interrupt, but I'd be really happy if he does become the next big thing, and I'd be really proud that he came from Ipswich originally, no, absolutely. Rather, rather than thinking... Oh, he could have got more money for him. Because who who's to say that he would have reached those hypothetical heights if he stayed at Ipswich? What's good for the goose isn't always good for the gander, is it? Um, Derby's moved to Sunday. Um, this made me this made me chuckle. How um our supporters get <laughs> Muggy's got his head in his hands if you're listening to the podcast. Um, as expected. So both the local derbies in their normal sort of September. February slots go to Sunday at midday. Um, are you anno- are you as annoyed as some of the fans? I think a lot of people, are, you know, they say, "Oh, this doesn't have to be at 
you know, midday on a Sunday. Why can't this be at 3 p.m.? It it would be better that um, I mean, I don't know how many how many years it's been. It seems to have been at least 15 15 years they've been doing this for. Where it's on, I remember a couple of them being at 11:30 as well on a on a on a Sunday morning as well. Um, what's what's your views on this? Does this grind your gears like it does some people? Would you like to see it back at 3 p.m. On, on a Saturday, or do I sense that you could not give a shit? <laughs> no, no, you've got me wrong, actually, Ben. This is one that does this. This does upset oh, me. Oh, it does, uh, and it does annoy me. However, I don't get too wound up by it because I don't understand people that get really angry at things that are obviously going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's like getting upset that you didn't you didn't win a bet. The odds are against you. Like it, right. it's just that's just the way it is. I just feel like Ipswich just, they don't seem to have a good relationship with Suffolk Police. So when there's a chance to just do what they're told, they just go with it. It's obviously an easier gig for Suffolk and Norfolk Police to just have it on 12 o'clock on a Sunday. Um, but it is, it's a pain. It's a, because there's so many fans that go to the derbies. That might be one of about four games they go to during the season that they'll they'll travel back from different parts of the country, and also it's nice to just be able to. It, it is just a it's a game of football, and there's never that much trouble because they do seem to know what they're doing now. The police like they might that they don't treat you very well when you're an away fan, but they they seem to know what they're doing. They seem to know how to keep the fans apart for the most part, and then you look at. The other derbies that go on on four o'clock on a Sunday, and not not that that's an ideal time, but much more fierce derbies up and down the land. Like Ipswich Norwich is, it's fa- it's fairly soft if you're looking at violence between the fans. So it does wind me up. I was at Millwall Fulham a few months ago, and that was that was tasty. Yeah, it's one way though, isn't it? Millwall, Millwall yeah. Fulham. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that kind of makes it even more foreboding. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you poor little posh people in that stand over, <laughs> over there. What are you, what are you doing? Um, do you not just think though that um, it's a? I, I don't want to don't want to criticise football fans because I am one. But it's a bit like the the child who constantly constantly asks for you know asks for something and then, and then when they get it they. They let the adults down again. Did you not imagine? Yeah. Well, that did happen. There'll be a load of trouble. It's not. Sorry for bringing this up, but the five-one defeat a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't in the country. Um, I was also not in the country, and I gave my ticket away. So yeah, <laughs> I missed it fortunately. And and I was so devastated that I wasn't there that night because it was all set up to be, we were going to ruin their promotion push. And it was a Thursday night. It was a bank holiday. And yeah, a, a section of Ipswich fans behaved so badly that it was it was a big setback for any hopes of having a normal kickoff time. Um, but yeah, I just hate the. <laughs> I have to have a few drinks the night before to settle the nerves, and then I wake up and I'm a bit hungover. The stomach isn't great because I'm I'm worried about the game. And yeah, it's just and then you're, you're there, just, you know, you're there and early. Then you're there. Aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think it's the um I don't see it changing for the for the for for the foreseeable. And even now with um 
Well, I suppose the only way you could do it is if there was another playoff. Um, you know, you might end up getting the second leg. They seem to squidge them. Yeah, well, they moved, they changed they changed them last time because of uh, it being Ipswich versus Norwich. Oh, really? They they switched it over, so both of them were Saturday lunchtime kickoffs. Mm, um, yeah. Um, but let's not let's not talk about that. Well, it's mate, it's not far away if you think about it. Start of July now, two months away that that first yeah. game. So and we have to win it to avoid going a decade without a derby victory. It's the last chance. To be fair, we couldn't play them when they were in League, um, League what have you, uh, League One during that decade. Yeah. So that's one mitigating factor. But yeah, not yeah. great, is it? Um, TWT reported that Middlesbrough were interested in signing Martin Waghorn. They have their second and final parachute payment through, and have thirty-four point nine million pounds to work with here. They've just signed uh, Flint. Um, says on my running order, in the words of the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, everyone's got a price. Um, what would the, if you're, forget fans or anybody else, if you're Marcus Evans, what would be the number that um, that would say, okay, Mr. Waghorn, um, you can go and talk to Middlesbrough? Eight million, probably. It'd be higher than that, wouldn't it? If Bobby Reed's 10 million. And James Madison's 24. Oh. Although it goes up double as soon as it's a Premier League club, doesn't it? Yeah. And he's just so Yeah, I, I just hate the idea of him going there because Middlesbrough are going to be horrible next season, aren't they? They've got all of this money to spend. Did they keep They've got Tony Pulis in charge. I'm not sure that... I think he's probably still there now. We may, we may be wrong. Um, I haven't heard anything about him moving on. Um, I'd imagine, I'd imagine he, even, even if he does, they're, they're going to be a very strong side and they're going to win most games 1-0. Mm, I'd imagine um, Gibson won't be there at the start of the transfer. And I'd, I would think Gibson and Traore possibly would, but Flint's already... So they'll have even more money then. Yeah, but, well, maybe, but maybe they're spending that or, yeah, who knows. Yeah. But um, I think it's one of those now, though, where you've got this player and I kept saying, oh, he was the actually... He's not just a football. He was the standard bearer. Now he was the one dragging the standard of other players up and shouting and moaning and stuff. And you know, Dave and I discussed: is he now more important than 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 Bielkowski in lots of respects? And in lots of respects, he is. Um, uh, that's a good point, actually. And he he is the the player that the young kids look up to as well. And we're we're supposed to be encouraging the trying to make Ipswich an, an attractive team to watch. And Martin Waghorn is a fun player to watch. He's got an absolute wand of a left foot. He scores great goals. Plays with personality, doesn't he? He does play with personality. And also, if we lose him, so much of what was good about Ipswich last year was just through Martin Waghorn's play. Mm. And I and yeah, I just I just worry that if we do lose him. Where are the goals going to come from? Unless we unless we sign an out and out goal scorer, but even if we do, who's going to lay on the chances? Because he does a bit of both, doesn't he? He's a two way striker, um, so he'd be very hard to replace. So even though I say eight million, I think it would be eight million. Eight million, I wouldn't be angry. I'd understand it, but I still personally I wouldn't sell him. 
I think I'm. I just think you got a good benchmark with Reed. I know Reed was the top scorer. I think Vidra is going to be eleven to Leeds as well. Um, yeah, I know. It's, is, it, is he? Is he good? He um, seems to have one good season. Then he does nothing for two I seasons. Got, I got loads of stick um, from Derby fans because we we made a. I made a top 10 players I've seen this season and kept repeatedly saying, I'm judging this on, you know, what I've seen. And I saw Vidra play five times and score one goal and miss a one-on-one at Portman Road and generally be substituted in all his games. And tried to say to these Derby fans, yeah, I know he scored loads of goals. I haven't seen any of them, so I can't, <laughs> you know. It's like it's like when someone tells you that this person's an asshole or whatever and you're like, well... They've always been quite nice to me, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it as I say it as I see. But yeah, I just, I, I just think the the going right now with the the Asombolonga paradigm being, and all I would say was Asombolonga is two seasons of goals as well. If Waghorn scores twenty this season, it won't be ten million; it'll be fifteen. It's like two seasons of goals in the in the championship. Hugo was nine, and he was a target man. He wasn't even a goal scorer. So. Um, yeah, we shall see how that pans out. Another link. Um, this is from The Sun, though, unfortunately. Um, reported that Bolton Wanderers would like to sign Joe Garner for half a million pounds. Hopefully that's um, that's a load of rubbish. But there's still a lot of talk on Hurst and 4-2-3-1s and, you know, Waghorn and Garner and one's elevated himself. And I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that one? Felix Sturm-Wolven would like to say, sign Joe Garner <laughs> for half a million pounds. They, they, it's just completely made up. It's, that's, that, that isn't going to happen. You are, um, you are fake news. Yeah, that's. I don't even really want to talk about that one. But I would be, I would be sad to see Garner go. If it was going to be one of the two, obviously I'd rather we kept Waghorn. But no, I don't. I don't think Garner's going. I think people have got. Short, I think he's an important player, and I think people he, have got short memories with with Garner because Garner was very good for the first three months of last season before Waghorn managed to get in. Okay, Waghorn ended up being better. Garner still got double figures from under thirty games, and let's and, be honest, he was being asked to do a very, very physically, you know, horrible job, and he did did it very well. Sorry, go go ahead. He's another player that can change a game, isn't he? And and we 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 can't be losing those types of players. Not, not for, half a million. Not for yeah. half a million, because what? How much? Well, we bought him for about half a million. It's probably slightly less. But who are we going to get in that's better for that money? It'd just be a complete gamble. Or a lone player. Yeah, joy, joy. And anyway. if we're going to be in the championship for the next. Two or three seasons, which we probably are. <laughs> Garner's a good championship striker. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, right. Well, that's all the hearsay and um, transfer links. Should we do some World Cup then, Mikey? Yeah, go on then. Let's do some World Cup. It's been really good, hasn't it? It has been really good. And we did, we did that podcast. So to kick off, we did that podcast where you know I was doing 1990, you doing 98, Statman was doing 94, and Dave was doing 82. I would think there'll be a lot of boys you know my age it now the age i was in 1990 who are going to be absolutely absolutely loving this um what, what why has it been so good well there's there, it's it's had a bit of everything it's had it's had shocks uh the big names have turned up and scored 
scored a few great goals. There was Germany going out so early, which helped. Um, I've been working alongside a, a, a German colleague and I hadn't seen him for a year since we worked together in Russia last year when they won the Confederations Cup. And he's he's just typically Germanic about everything, quite quite arrogant about how good they are. And the day I arrived was the day that South Korea beat them 2-0 two, two or whatever it was and Germany were going home. And he he doesn't even want to talk about football, uh, let alone the World Cup now. Um, but yeah, there's been fantastic goals. It obviously helps that England have been good. Um, but yeah, it just the only thing that's been missing for me, and I thought VAR was going to be a big, big problem. And in some games it has spoiled it a little bit, but in the best games, VAR hasn't been used that much. And I was worried that VAR would constantly be used. But actually in some of the some of the better games, like the Argentina-France game, it wasn't it wasn't used that much. I can't remember it being used loads in the Portugal-Spain game. Um, the only thing that's been lacking for me is sportsmanship. There's been a lot of diving. And the worst thing for me is just the shouting at the ref, the, con- the getting in the ref's faces. And some of the top players have been doing that as well. And, yeah, that's the o- I'd say that's kind of the only negative from an England perspective it's a shame that there's not more England fans out here because it is a real party and some of the parts of uh, Russia that you can visit are, they're boiling hot it's like it's like going to to Spain it's not particularly expensive you, Mike, you can fly you out to Moscow you don't realize then, it was 30 degrees in England today <laughs> it's the best hot yeah, here I suppose. it's pretty miserable here in Moscow but in uh, in Samara it was 35 degrees a couple of days ago and it's it's a lot more humid and yeah, it's a it's an in, it's an interesting place. It's it's fairly cheap once you're here. Um, obviously, the the country's way too big for a World Cup. It's it's a pain that you can't plan out a trip. Um, but yeah, it's I think Russia's been a, it's been a good host, and <laughs> the it is obviously a propaganda thing for Vladimir Putin, but he's done a bloody good job of it. There you go. Um, um, what I was going to say about the the VAR, do you get a bit of a sense that a lot of these things are all interlinked and that the players have got a bit of a heightened sense now of um, what's going to be caught on camera and with the, with the wind-up stuff? And I think there's a bit of a heightened sense of, right, there's now a real um, chance if I can wind you up or what have you and get you to do this to me, it will be caught on camera and you will and you will be punished. And I, I think as well, well, we'll come on to specifics. Um, how many penalties has there been? Like 25 or something ridiculous. It's almost like the players were getting away with murder beforehand and yeah, all of a sudden, and I think when we talk about England as well, there's... England would not have conceded that goal from that corner with without VAR. They were terrified of touching. I know Henderson let his man go, but there was that sense. Oh, he's given a penalty up the other end. You know the old makeup call, and they were actually scared to mark from the. Yeah. Well, my my mate sat next to me. Said uh, when that corner was about to be swung, and he was like, "Just don't give away a penalty, and we're there." Yeah. And and that's what exactly what they tried to do. And, yeah, you know they let the guy let the guy get the 
get the Jonas Nudes and Jerry Vandenberg um, moment. Um, let's quickly just go through these groups, Mike, and give me any give me anything you've got. So, um, Group A was topped by Uruguay, Russia came in second, Saudi and Egypt. There, any standout things from those four teams in the groups? Uh, one of the standout things is that Egypt just simply aren't very good. And even if Salah was fit and firing, I don't think if they had have got through that group, they'd have gone out in the round of 16. Russia, um, they were running a lot further than everyone else. Um, but they scored some like quality goals. That, that game against Saudi Arabia, some of the goals that they scored, if, if, if they were scored by... This is a cliche, but if they were scored by Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, everyone would still be talking about them. But yeah, Russia have been impressive. They're still here. Um, Saudi Arabia were just horrendous in that in that first game, but then seems to improve a little bit as it went on. And Uruguay were pretty shit house, weren't they? Um, you've, got, you've got to love but, some of those Uruguayan players. Yeah, but, yeah, they're they're dangerous though. Uruguay. If you think they've got a smattering of world class players. In and then also they've got very they've got Godin as well. Yeah, yeah, and they've got Godin at centre back, who is just he, he's definitely the defender of the tournament so far. Could be Harry Maguire though. <laughs> in in the absence of um, Chiellini, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Group B was a real funny one at the end because um I mean, I guess they've both gone now since, but uh, Portugal nearly getting knocked out right at the end. So it was Spain and Portugal tied on five, Iran four Morocco won and there was that brilliant 3-3 game I think that always helps the tournament you have the host nation win the first game and then you have a 3-3 draw within two days or whatever yeah any, any thoughts on that well yeah it, it the World Cup needed that um that that 3-3 game because there was a few iffy fixtures over the first few days that weren't particularly interesting so everyone was looking at that Spain and Portugal game as come on then let's let's see what this World Cup is about and Spain, I thought, were, were excellent on the night. Um, they were unlucky not to win. And although I'm not, obviously I'm an Ipswich fan, I'm not the type of supporter that loves the the big names. And I'd, I'd never refer to Portugal as Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal, but I did I did actually really like that he scored a hat-trick and announced himself on the World Cup stage and just Come gave, on, you, you want, you gave want, it an extra you want... subplot. You want stars to be stars, don't you? Yeah, that, of course, you know, yeah. That's, um, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, and I thought um, Morocco were very unlucky. I thought they were, they were a decent side. Um, and they, on another day, they could have gone through. But, but yeah, that... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Oh, obviously Spain, the Lovatei thing was just mental. Real Madrid just very, very, absolutely very, um, very Netherlands, that, wasn't it? It was, Barry yeah. manager the day before. Yeah. Um, group C, uh, France, followed by Denmark. No Jonas Knudsen until we get to the... Um, but yeah, we'll mention him in a bit. Um, Peru and Australia. So easy one, really, for France and Denmark, was it? Yeah, relatively. I think Peru missed their chance um, by not getting a draw in the first game. Because Peru were pretty good, but... As soon as you lose your first game, you're struggling to get through, as as we found out. Um, but yeah, not not much to say on that because France weren't particularly impressive. Um, but obviously they they've gone on to be pretty good since then. Um, but they've only played one game since then, but it was quite a good one. Group D of the brilliant Croatian um, rotating midfield is nearly as good as Fulham's, isn't it? Um, yeah. Completely. Um, Argentina reminded me of Chelsea under Avram Grant, where they're basically managed by John Terry, Frank Lampard and Didier Drop. <laughs> Horrendous, weren't they? Despite having... And it didn't work. And it didn't work. I'm so glad about that. Despite having one of yeah. the greatest players ever to, ever to yeah. kick a ball. But at least Messi had that, that goal. That goal was brilliant. Oh. Have you seen and it was... The, the, and I know, I know super been... slow-mo makes everything look good, but... Oh, it's silly, wasn't it? It's just ridiculous, yeah. Just so good, and yeah, another just a, that's an iconic World Cup moment. Even though Argentina were awful, they went out in the round of sixteen. That's a that's that's a goal that will be played back, and they'll be like, yeah, that was that messy goal from Russia. Brilliant. Um, Group E, Brazil. Um, Brazil, who nobody seems to really like as much as they used to like like Brazil. Um, Switzerland. Came in second in that one. Serbia and Costa Rica. Why, why don't people like Neymar? Neymar? Well, it's because he... He is just the archetypal modern football superstar. <laughs> um, he looks like a cartoon. and Like just, a Japanese manga cartoon, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He just... And he is brilliant, but obviously he... He moved to PSG in those circumstances, so his popularity went down. Um, and he's perceived to be playing in a weak league and just taking the mickey out of players. But yeah, he is brilliant and he's hitting form as well now. Um, I don't really dislike him, but yeah, have you seen that he's spent? He's already spent 14 minutes on the floor in this tournament. Yes, like that's just <laughs> that's just incredible. And 
Yeah, you could say the game's gone, but he is he is entertaining. <laughs> game's game's gone. Brexit means Brexit. Um, group F. Oh, I love this. Uh, Sweden topped the group despite um losing in the most horrible. You know, I watched that with a German, Sweden, Germany, and I was I, I said this on Twitter. If you're an Ipswich fan, you are an absolute expert in injury time goals. You have there's nothing you can show me that um I haven't seen in the last um. D- Six twelve months, I guess. Um, Mexico come in second, South Korea third, and gloriously bottom of the group. Uh, Germany, why? Why would Germany so bad when they're normally so brilliant? I think uh, Jochen Love, who got, he got loads and loads of credit um, from the German media and anyone who was interested. Because let's face it, I know I keep referring back to the Confederations Cup. Nobody cares about it, but. He took a lot of credit for playing the youngsters and getting them playing in a tournament and they and winning a tournament without all of his star players. So then it, it seemed like it was an obvious job. Just pick the best players from from the new generation, just blend them in with the the champions from four years ago. But he maybe didn't pick the right ones or he couldn't find the right system for all of them and he ended up with maybe too many great players and some of them were they just didn't work together or that they seemed a little bit slow and yeah they just seemed to panic a little bit in that final game against South Korea which is just so unlike them I I fully expected them to go through after the Sweden game as I'm sure most people did but um, Felix my German friend who I'm working with said that it isn't even though it is a massive shock Germany going out it hasn't come as a total surprise because he thinks that the champions from four years ago have been built up so much and their their team slogan this year is the best never rest. I always thought that the 2010 in, in team the past, was really ex- yeah, more exciting than, do you know what I mean? And it didn't win. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, but he thinks that they've, they, they, they were quite understated four years ago and now they've become a little bit flash hmm. and some of the players are really having themselves. And then, yeah, I, I think Love maybe didn't, we just didn't, and let's ignore the Leroy Sane thing. I don't think he used the right players. He didn't play Leon Goretzka until the final game and he was missing a dynamic centre midfielder. Didn't play him. And Julian Brandt kept coming on and nearly scoring. And he still he just didn't play him enough. But there was there uh, was something glorious though, Mikey, for us mere mortals. Looking at Manuel Neuer, this like the the depiction of an alpha male, this rich, powerful, handsome, tall, you know, talented, amazing guy. With that German arrogance going, nope, now I'm going to dribble it down the left wing, cross it in, and we're going to, we will score and we will go to win the World Cup and completely messing it up was just, just glorious for a. But wouldn't it have been even more glorious if he actually pulled it off in some ways? Yeah, actually, it would, yeah. But <laughs> it was as soon as he went up there, it was always going to be glorious. Um, yeah. Group G, so this is England then, Mikey. So um, Panama were appalling weren't they um i thought england played well against um tunisia and were a little bit unlucky actually because i thought that penalty was a bit um a bit of a funny one and then they went a bit flat in the second half but um got the win and then i was getting very annoyed with um with people being very english about this about this belgium belgium game because um you know and using the word arrogant so it's arrogance to no you're not planning your 
You're not saying you're going to get to the semi-final. You're just saying, well, do I want to drive 30 miles or 70 miles to get where I'm going? Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on England in the group? Yeah, I thought they were they were fairly positive and I thought we were good against Tunisia and we started well. And I think that was the important thing is that we started well and it, it sort of got everyone on board like, wow, we are actually quite an exciting team to watch. Um, and then, yeah, we got the, the win with the the last minute winner and and yeah that was great and then the Panama game I thought was quite boring because they were just pathetic and awful, they just behaved yeah. terribly as well they were awful they were an awful Sunday league team <laughs> they, they they were I'll tell you who they were and this better be than the United States the, though this, they were Chessington United <laughs> that's that's what they were horrible <laughs> and just shouldn't have been there um yeah and Belgium weren't as good as England in the group stage and they got that win against us and yeah I wanted England to win that game against Belgium but we did, we played quite well against Colombia so I think it's justified and we don't have any injuries to our key players so yeah Gareth Southgate's doing a great job he he's just carrying himself so well and he's doing all of the stuff that isn't about the tactics and the, the picking of the team he's doing all of the bits around it so well that there's not really any distractions and that they and they the England players seem to just be enjoying themselves. It's it's easy to say that when they've got through, but it does it just all seems quite positive to me and um they're a fun team to watch, but it it doesn't always work and I'm still not completely convinced by the the formation, but yeah, I'd, I enjoyed the Enjoyed the group stage to a degree. The the Belgian game was dreadful, wasn't it? It's one of the worst games I, of the World Cup. Luckily, but. I was I was working for that one, so that was the one that I I kind of watched in glimpses on on Twitter. Um, group H, Colombia, who we now know all about, got through with Japan, who went through by virtue of having less yellow cards than um, yeah. Senegal. Anyway, let's go on to these knockout games, Mikey. Um, oh, no, I've got I've got loads to say about Japan. Go ahead. No, I really haven't. <laughs> Wait, can I just say, how do people still get away? Ever since I've been watching football, dumb pundits, all they say about Japanese players, oh yeah, he really gets about, he's really energetic. And like yeah. 20 years later, they still say that. Oh, look at the, look at the Japanese pressing. Look look how they get about. <laughs> like, is someone gonna someone gonna learn something about Japanese football league? Yeah, one of one of my colleagues actually said the other the other night when we were watching the game, oh, it must be hard for Japan defending set pieces. And I was like, wow, <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> um, knockout games then. France four, Argentina three. That was a good start, and Mbappe um, got a couple of goals. At age nineteen on that. What, what, what do you think of France? Well, they were pretty poor in the group stages, and they were they were fairly negative. A lot of the French journalists that I've spoken to, they were fully expecting Argentina to to knock them out, which I found strange. That I don't know if they'd seen the same Argentina that I had. Yeah, horrible. But they? yeah. they've got so many good players, France. But it's one of those. It could be that they've got too many good players in the same positions. Um, but they seem to have found a good blend with playing Matuidi, and he's in one of those positions that isn't really a position. He's playing out on the left, but he's tucking right in, and he seems to be a bit of a facilitator for them. And Kante, just having Kante in your team is just 
he just helps you so much. He covers so much ground. He never wastes possession, and he just and he's he frees up Pogba and Pogba may be frustrating to watch. Like he's always trying to play that killer pass, but he might try it ten times, but it will come off now and again. And when you've got Antoine Griezmann and Kylian Mbappe up front, then you've you've always got a chance. And yeah, the the French journalist that I'm working alongside, Nico, he's he's now really confident and. Actually, over dinner tonight, we said that we'll do a preview podcast when in, when England play France in the final. Oh, yuck. God. Uh, well, no, I'd, <laughs> I'd love it, but I just did my, my nerves even think about it. Um, I must say two things. Apart from Trent Sainsbury, Blaise Matuidi is my favourite name in the tournament. And Dave would want me to mention that that's, an act, that's a Brian Clough. Um, he had Martin O'Neill on the right, who would tuck inside. John Robertson would go forward and Viv Anderson would come outside so we have to say the the midfielder in a position but not in a position we have to we have to give that to our our favorite um mr brian clough um, and for ipswich as well you could say maybe mickey stockwell used to play a little bit like that as well like he'd you'd, you'd put him in in a position where he can do the work for somebody else absolutely um, um uruguay two portugal one in the in the next one, and Cristiano goes home, and it's easy to make this Suarez versus versus Ronaldo. How far do you think Uruguay will go? Because Uruguay will play France, and that be tomorrow. Yeah. Right? I think if Uruguay get past France, but then wouldn't they meet I Brazil think, at some point? Yeah, if Uruguay beat France, I think they'll beat Brazil. That would be a I really style do because game, Uruguay have got better as the tournament's gone on, and they just they don't really concede goals. And they conceded the goal against Portugal because Godin was so concerned by Ronaldo that he he ended up trying to challenge for a ball that he was never going to win and left his man behind. And that's how Portugal scored. Um, yeah, I feel like France have to score first if they're going to get past Uruguay. And they're just, they're quite a formidable team. And I think it would be quite typical of this World Cup if, a Uruguay or a Croatia won it because the, big, the biggest teams have just one by one been falling down. Um, and yeah, it could be France's turn next. Um, <laughs> Spain won, Russia won. I think we can use the word shithouse for this one, can't we? And Russia take it on penalties. It's one of those games, though, where it's like playing away at Leeds when the Leeds fans are all behind you and you're like, the longer this game, we're going to lose. We're better than them, but we're going to lose. And it was that sort of thing. And Spain did the um, the worst bits of the tiki-taka, which I know they all they all hate. Um, they did the worst bits of that and, and not the good... Well, until Iniesta um, came on. Um, well, what's the deal with De Gea and Russia then, Mikey? Yeah, it was a, <laughs> that was a really strange one, but I was actually quite happy to see it happen because Spain, I think in the end, they just sort of got what they deserved. They, they've got all of that talent and they just didn't find a way of making it work. Um, yeah, Russia did absolutely shithouse them and, <laughs> and they've, they've kind of promised that they're going to give it more of a go against Croatia. Um, but yeah, I, my only real memory of it is the penalty shootout. I was... I was at the Luzhniki Stadium but didn't have a ticket. So I was in the media centre. But 
part of the media center overlooks um, the pitch, but you can only see two thirds of it. So when they tossed the coin for who was going to, what what end they were going to take the penalties, I was sitting there thinking, oh, if they go at that end, I can actually watch it through the glass. And they, lo and behold, they did go to the whatever end it was, and I could see it. I could see it all going on, but I couldn't hear a thing. So so it was it was quite a surreal experience. Sorry to just go on about me, um, but. Russia, they took their penalties really well. You'd think that they had all the pressure in the world on them because there was 80,000 fans and the whole country. Snipers on the roof. Yeah. But Mines in yeah, the dressing just, room. <laughs> they, they, were, they were brilliant. And the one penalty that wasn't very good, the player that took it said yesterday that he he had cramp and that's why he didn't go for the corner. He said that he meant to go down the middle. And yeah, De Gea just seemed to, just, just seemed to just be mentally done after that mistake in the Portugal game. Um, Croatia got through with a <coughs> excuse me um a weird performance and with even with my Ipswich town hat on a clear protagonist in this game was Jonas Knudsen it was it was insane and of course my twitter feed lit up um when um Denmark uh scored from a, a Jonas Knudsen it's almost like Denmark have got better players than Ipswich isn't it but no one managed to no one managed to, to, to fathom that one. But um <laughs> what about what about Nudsen and um just, just Modric. Modric is fun, isn't he? Yeah, well the thing Knudsen I, I felt a little bit sorry for because he was obviously so happy to be there and I thought he just wasn't gonna play. Um but Denmark seemed to bring him in simply because of the long throw. Like and that it, England and it hockey player who used to come on just to take the, the penalties in the Olympics when <laughs> I was young. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so it was it was it was quite cool seeing him, a bit surreal. I, I was I was actually I was working I was still at the Luzhniki working when the game started and then I looked at my WhatsApp and it had just absolutely blown up and it was everyone that I I knows everyone that I know knows that I don't particularly like Jonas Knutson. Um and especially I don't don't like his long throws. But I was actually really happy for him and it was it was cool seeing an Ipswich player playing and I was I was sad not to see him take a penalty. I think he'd have just booted it down oh, the middle. He would have. He would, he would he have just leathered it, it wouldn't he? he? He would have absolutely. Probably, yeah. would, have, probably would have scored. I just actually. think of how much he'd have celebrated as well, winning a World Cup game that he wow. was actually involved in. Um, but yeah, Luka Modric, what a player! I mean, arguably the the best player still in the tournament. Um, not particularly popular in Croatia, though. He's he's had some tax dodging problems, and he's been a bit outspoken in the past, but. Yeah, I I didn't actually see the the penalty miss, so I can't really comment on that. But yeah, incredible player and one that could definitely prove a thorn in the side of England should we face them. Um, Brazil uh, get past Mexico. Let's whiz through some of these, Mikey. Um, Japan were two nil up against Belgium, and Belgium stuck the big man on and got it in the mixer and. Um, Got a 3-2 win, although the last goal was was good. Although I think, like most people, I was watching that. And I did swear at my iPad because I felt a bit sad for, for Japan. Japan, they're so, they're so energetic, Mikey. They put such a they're shift. They're so in, energetic. They? <laughs> those, those, small, those small Japanese men. Terrible, isn't it? so energetic. Um, but they have such a good diet as well. Um, I'm going to sound like a bit of an arsehole here. Um, I actually wanted Belgium to go through because of work reasons that um, Belgium are based in Moscow and their media center is really nice. They lay on sandwiches and 
they even have beers um and it's somewhere i can go and actually do my job really easily because they speak english in the press conferences yesterday vincent company spoke in four different languages in the press conference um and that makes it easy for me because as soon as we filmed the press conference i can go away and write my scripts and send out the videos without having to worry about translation but yeah um maybe i have turned into that that boring journalist that goes to tournaments and sees it as work but yeah it was sad to see japan go home but frankly they they're not good enough and although it was exciting that they went 2-0 up they I'd, I'd still like to see De Bruyne and Hazard in the latter stages of the tournament when we've lost quite a few of the big names already because Belgium is very much a Premier League team and I, I quite like seeing the familiar players doing well. Sweden won, Switzerland nil. We, we can go shithouse on... No, no comment. On this Just, again. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get on to Colombia and England. So... Um, England got a bit of a rest and obviously all the players who got the got the game off against Belgium and then there was all this um, kind of story out. I thought it was a storm in a teacup about the, you know, um, not putting the subs on at the end of the at the end of the Belgium game. I sat and watched Ipswich play Sheffield United in the FA Cup and uh, our previous manager decided he didn't want to replay and he would happily lose the game. And I think sometimes you have to make a you have to uh, make a decision. Although, no, I would have liked him to. But anyway, not maybe not a good not a good comparison there. I'll I'll take that one back. But um, what did you what did you make what did you make of the um of the game and the Colombian um strategy? And um, have we finally caught up with the rest of the world on actually practicing? the technique of penalties and all the players talking about no the process they obviously it really you know it's not oh we're gonna who wants to take a penalty oh david batty will take one oh fine stuart pierce changing his mind despite being the the forest penalty taker and doing all of them different and you know chris waddle like the best technical player you'll ever see slashing at uh you know um is it just a case that we've actually got over ourselves a bit and actually um and um another question i listened to the football ramble today and they said something i nodded along they said beckham skulls rooney would all have got sent off in that game yeah yeah maybe, anyway, maybe so they asked you about 100 questions then yeah so let's bring me re-ask me the questions as i as i uh, go along well, the... well what about the what about the performance and the uh, colombian antics before you go into extra time and the penalties okay so the the performance it it struck me that i i was expecting colombia to have most of the possession even though they picked quite a negative team no, but england actually set the tempo and they they had possession for long periods didn't always do a lot with it but I felt like the combination of Lingard, Ali and Kane and Sterling would eventually open something up and yeah, we could have could have been 1-0 up and at half time it it was a fairly close game and then in the second half we weren't we were a little bit flat but they carried on even when the passes were going astray a little bit and we were forcing Colombia into mistakes and quite often when they were pumping the ball long our centre-backs were then heading it down to the centre midfielders and Henderson was picking up everything. He was excellent. Ashley Young, I thought, was excellent as well. And they're like two of the players that 
are much maligned by England fans. I thought they were excellent. Um, obviously, Kane, I'd, I'd never actually seen Kane um, live since uh, he played against Ipswich for Leicester and missed a one-on-one. I was blown away by how clever he is. And we'll go on to the the, the penalties and the the not getting sent off thing. But Kane was winning so many fouls. He was so clever. And England were sort of playing Colombia at their own game. The difference was that they weren't getting in the ref's face. Um, and I think that didn't that didn't work in Colombia's favour. And it, it was such a hostile atmosphere. Every time England had the ball, the Colombian fans were whistling. And I've watched back on the highlights and you can't actually hear just how loud it was. It was 10 times louder than an East Anglian derby. And I hate saying that, but genuinely it's the loudest atmosphere I've ever witnessed. Um, Get yourself down to Millwall, Mikey. Well, I've been down to Millwall as well. And it's a a different type of noise. I'd say it's more of a... It's just an absolute din, just high pitch because they're they're shouting and screaming and the noises that they make when they nearly score, it's just bizarre rather than focusing on like the opposition fans like the Millwall uh, mob (laughs) do. But yeah, I I just thought it was such a mature performance and it was a shame that we didn't win it 1-0 because... I think we could have taken a lot from a 1-0 against Colombia in a round of 16. But, yeah, and it went to penalties and, yeah, they held their nerve. And I actually, I thought that if we did play a penalty shootout in this tournament, I had a feeling that we would win one. Um, but having said that, as soon as Henderson had his penalty saved, brilliantly, by the way, um, I thought that was that, just just like everyone else. But, yeah, fair play to them. And they... Eric Dyer stepped up. When he popped up on the screen, I think everyone was thinking, oh, God, because he'd missed that header and he'd been really slow. He looks overweight. Yeah, but, Mikey, um, there's obviously, obviously a plan here. It's like yeah, in my, and, and in he, my, in my Twitter feed, it's like, oh, why didn't Jamie Vardy take a penalty? Who cares? They obviously well, have... actually... Vardy was due to take that one, but had tweaked his groin. Oh, well, there you and go. Vardy, and, and they'd noticed it and they asked him and he said that, yes, I have. So they didn't let him take it. So that's a positive as well, that there was actually, rather than thinking, oh, he might be all right, they've just put the next best penalty taker up. And I don't, I never like hearing the, oh, why are you getting a defender taking the penalties? It, penalty, it's not, it's not like, it, defenders can strike the ball just as well from 12 yards and they might be mentally tougher. You ever seen Graham Alexander take a penalty? Brilliant. Yeah, there's a perfect example. Steve Bruce. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you get David Johnson, great goal scorer, terrible penalty taker. Mm. Marcus Stewart wasn't a very good penalty taker either. Behave. Do you remember the one against, um, I think it was Torpedo Moscow, and he hit a ball boy or a ball girl? <laughs> that must have, been, must have been the only one he missed. Must have been. Perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, I, yeah. We digress. But no, it's just, Never it seen just... Eric Dye in this one. It was just lovely. I totally agree with you. It's um, I cannot believe, and I, I even couldn't believe this when I was younger, that um, you know this tournament, this worldwide, watched by literally billions in the, in the, by the end of the tournament, it will be it will be like billions in the viewing figures, and it's like you, you you're just gonna you're just gonna call this on the fly and see what we do. There's obviously a everyone knows and. I don't know if you've read um, Frank Lampard's book, but um, he said about John Terry's miss, he, he kind of outs him. It was, it was bad technique. 
that he actually placed his left foot wrong and actually kicked the ball wrong. And it's like all they've obviously worked on is kick the ball with good technique. We have a plan where you're putting it. And it's nice to hear Pickford as well say, oh, well, they all went the way we expected them to except Falcao. Because I like that because that puts the idea in yeah. the head of the next so, place they get. Uh, just just one thing on Pickford. Um, I'm not sure if it's been picked up on, but he was uh, he had uh, the, the, the potential Columbia penalty takers and the direction that they normally hit their penalties written on his drinks bottle behind the goal. Really? And every time he'd go and he'd read that. And then also, um, whenever Columbia took their penalty, he would make sure that he got the ball rather than a spinner. And he would go up and give the ball to whoever was taking the penalty. And that was clearly planned. So there was, even though it might not have made much difference, but there was no nonsense going on with well, you know, the player you know having what? to, when they're nervous, having to pick the ball up and you get headed. And it was... It's, it all seemed like it was well-planned. And that's the thing with this tournament with England. I feel like they're getting all of the the small things right. They might not play particularly well and they might not score the goals. And they, we might give away a couple of goals, but we're getting all of the little minor details that aren't technically happening on the pitch. We're getting all of them right. So there's no excuses this time. Um, going back to Pickford, I remember Gareth Southgate saying years ago in an interview, before he misses the penalty against Germany, Kupka, the German goalie, smashes the ball against the crossbar and it bounces right away and Southgate stops his run up and runs and gets the ball and he said I never should have gone and got the ball I should have just walked up and he said that that was one of the things that put him up so probably even so um just on on Southgate is am I oversimplifying this that um we just have a manager who's humble and who's not you know Fabio Capello or you know, I know Roy Hodgson's humble, but it's very much um, his his way in terms. Of, he's a proper system manager and team shape manager. And well, I hope you don't get twicky with questions here, Ben. <laughs> um, and Sven, and you know, such and such. Um, is it just Sven four four two Goran Eriksson? Yeah, right. Um, um, is it just a case of a a hum a more humble manager and a more humble way of way of playing yeah and he he seems he seems to be getting the man management stuff right as well which Hodgson obviously there's such a massive age gap between him and the players and he had they the young the young players would all have been aware of the fact that he'd that it was his biggest job and that he'd failed at Liverpool and so on um before him Sven-Goran Eriksson I don't know, and, and Capello, that maybe the communication wasn't quite as good. And I think that Gareth Southgate is probably the best man-manager that we've had since Kevin Keegan, which obviously didn't work because he didn't have any idea about tactics. Um, but Southgate seems to... Maybe he's not a master tactician, but what he has been able to do is find a system that seems to fit the players that we've got. And also, when one player gets injured, he has he already knows in his head who goes on and plays in their place. And we've got options on the bench, even though we don't have a particularly strong squad compared to other teams and to England teams in the past. We do, if, when you look to the bench, we actually do have match winners. Like we've got a Jamie Vardy who can trouble you with his pace and 
and press. And then we've got Marcus Rashford, who's skillful and he can shoot from distance. And he's also got loads of pace. You've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who can drive England forward by dribbling with the ball. Um, and then you've got the defensive players that can come on. Eric Dyer can come on and play a couple of positions, even though he is overweight and not in great form. Um, Danny Rose can come on on the left and we can have a left-sided option down there. Alexander-Arnold is a good replacement for, for Trippier. Carl Walker can play out there. And then we've got the experienced players on the bench that they all just seem happy to be there. And maybe it is just because we're, we're doing all right. But I'm, you, you may have noticed I'm really positive about it. And I fully expect England to reach the semi-finals now. So you think that, you think that they can beat Sweden? I think so, yeah. I think... Sweden aren't that much better than Ipswich, in my opinion. Um, and that, well, actually, that's that's a bit harsh. They, they, their players aren't that much better than the players that Ipswich have. I don't think Sebastian Larsson would start centre midfield for Ipswich, and he plays for Sweden in that position. But they've clearly they're very did, physical, did, and did they've, got, they've got they've got their manager's very good, and they're playing tournament football very well. I'm not saying that if Ipswich went to the World Cup, they'd they no, lose the court. I was going to say, like, didn't Larson play for Hull when they beat us 3-0? Exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they where they finished the table. <laughs> Below Ipswich. Yeah. And he had been at Sunderland for a few years doing absolutely nothing as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw today Sunderland... It's um, funny, isn't it? You go to places like Sunderland and Middlesbrough for money when you're a footballer. Well, they can't... But they can't, and then, and then, can't get big-name players, in, so they in, overpay in the, for average the, ones. Real world, people from Sunday to Middlesbrough have to leave to get lots of money. Now I saw today that um, Brian yeah. Brian Oviedo, his whole contract cost Sunderland fourteen million pounds. No. <laughs> um, so look, we're recording on the very late on the on the Thursday night before. Um, I, I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything, but all I say is this is one of the best best World Cups I've seen, um, and I will say. I'm going to go back to 1990 because I love 1990. It's knockout, man. Germany took that trophy home. They scored a penalty in the final. They scored a deflected free kick in the semi and won on penalties. And I think they scored a penalty and won 1-0 in the quarters. You just got to win. Do you know what I mean? Just in, yeah. in the words of Brian Clough again, just win. And if you've got a goal scorer, um, you know, it might be like Harry Kane's penalties could literally be the thing couldn't they you know you've got this guy that everyone's afraid of now so um yeah god just win against sweden although i just hope it's not penalties again i don't think i don't think i can i can hack another student uh, another shootout um when are you are you out there until the end of it now then mikey yeah i'm out there until the end so uh if england well i'll, I'll be at the luzhniki for the semi-final and the final um but it might be a case of me just being in the media center uh, so if anyone knows anyone with a ticket, um, I'm at Mikey underscore Smith 13. Um, <laughs> I think that's unlikely, isn't it? I, I tried to buy one earlier off um, a Colombian um, girl, but her boyfriend told me that it was going to cost me $1,500 because it was a category A ticket. Um, so I asked him if he was a ticket tout and he said yes. Um, but yeah, that's good. But yeah, Colombian fans are actually great. They're They've made it an absolute party, um, and they were brilliant the other night. Even though they lost, they didn't get aggressive. They just blamed the ref. Hmm. Um, so unlike their team, yeah. Um, hmm. Right, Mikey. Thank you. What time is it there? 
Uh, I'm two hours ahead. Oh my god! You. So it is two thirty. Two thirty. Yeah. You, you poor thing. Right. We better wrap up. So, um, can we get you again before you come home before the end of the tournament? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do it. I mean, now um, more and more teams are getting knocked out. There's less base camps to go to in Moscow. Um, so I hopefully we'll, we'll actually there's no quarterfinals in Moscow. So we're going to be out looking for content rather than constantly being out at events so yeah I'll, I'll have more downtime and like I said if if England do play France in the final um, I'll be doing a match preview um, with a French journalist um, in the style of the, the Friday match previews that we do oh, on Blue Monday that sounds, so, like, sounds absolutely yeah. beautiful yeah. but that's maybe me getting ahead of myself you, yeah I'm not jinxing it because how England doing this World Cup has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm doing and saying so yeah no I, I just I just think, you know, you, you talk to most England fans any other time of the four-year cycle and they will say, we, ha- we have absolutely no chance of winning the World Cup ever. And I'm just going to enjoy this week where we have a chance of winning the World Cup. I'm not saying we're going we're gonna to do it. God, can you imagine Russia in the semi-final? <laughs> God. Yeah, then there might be some trouble for me, actually. Um yeah, that. But you know what? Their fans aren't um, particularly partisan. The ones that go to the stadiums. I was thinking more They're, about diplomatic and political um, implications. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I still feel like that is that's from that's that's just an English perception of the Paranoia, way Russia is. Yeah. Like a lot, like the the only supporters that I've met that have really wished England well and meant it have been Russia, been Russian people. And I actually saw a lot of. Russians at the England game the other night in England shirts, which, I mean, that is slightly different to what we were told to expect. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't think Russia will get past Croatia, though, and Croatia will be a really, really tough game if, if we do get past it. Sweden will be a tough game as well because they're so stubborn. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I have Finnish um, heritage, so... I have to believe that we can get past the Swedes, especially at football. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, Mikey, let's um, let's call it quits there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to talk to Mikey and get any insight while he's out there, he will be on Twitter. Whereabouts, Mikey? So the Twitter's uh, at Mikey underscore Smith one three, and then what, what about the uh, Omnisport? Omni so so yeah, that's at Omnisport underscore News. Uh, some of the stuff that I do goes up on there. And then actually I'm on, um, if you're tuning in on Friday, on channel 713 on Sky, at, it's called Prime TV, I think, um, at 5.30 in the evening, there's the Omnisport Bulletin, and I'm presenting the links for that. Oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> what a brag that is, hey? Can we get, um, can we get, can we get that footage on Twitter? Um, yeah, yeah, I could, I could yeah, try yeah. and... Get it yeah. up there. Get it over to Ipswich. Yeah, it's me sitting on a... Well, I'm standing on a rooftop in the middle of Moscow. And my hair looks absolutely terrible. And the yeah. sun's shining on the side of my face. And my beard looks a bit ginger. But Are you doing yeah, a tourist, was, tourist squint? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just put the sunglasses on. But, Brilliant. Yeah. Right, thank you very much, Mikey. Um, we'll get back to the Ipswich Town stuff probably in a couple of weeks. And hey... It'll be pre-season friendly soon. 
and we'll all be starting all over again. How, how exciting. And hashtag this, 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 era. This, as good as it is, this whole it's coming home thing, it is just a just something to occupy the mind for a couple of couple of weeks, isn't it, before just to give the real Hurst football a little comes bit, yeah. home to Portman Road. Um, and yeah, can't wait. Right, say it's it. It's going to be good. Say it. Um, it's coming home. <laughs> no. But be careful what you wish for. Thank you. Right, see you soon, Mikey. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.